Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our three-part sermon series, Gay is Good, What I Have Learned as an LGBTQ Pastor. Join us for the message, Fear and Courage. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. It's still Pride Month, and so today we're going to continue our three-part sermon series, Gay is Good, What I Have Learned as an LGBTQ Pastor. And so today's message is going to be Fear and Courage. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7b through 10. Therefore, it keep me from being elated. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will, so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week I shared with you that for many years I co-led a six to seven week sh- uh, workshop entitled The Journey. And during the, this is a coming out workshop for LGBTQ persons. And during the fourth session, we explored coming out to family. And needless to say, coming out to one's family is usually the most anxiety-producing aspect of the coming out process for LGBTQ people. In fact, I remember in college, uh, being in college, and it was a frequent topic of discussion among my friends and I about whether or not we had yet told our parents that we were gay. The conversations would go sometimes something like, have you told your parents yet? Are you kidding me? They would kill me if they knew. Well, I finally told mine, yeah, what happened? They cut me off. We haven't spoken in weeks. And I always thought about these conversations vividly leading up to this fourth session of the coming out workshop on family. And in that session, we generally invited guest speakers to share their family story. And we usually invited one person who had come out in midlife after having been heterosexually married and having children. As an aside, I'll just say that we had people in our workshop from their late teens to their early 70s. And many were coming out in midlife and dealing with the consequences of having tried for years to be straight, but they came to a point where they just could not do it anymore. And so they had to worry not only about coming out to their now elderly parents, but often to their spouse and children as well. Before the workshop, we also invited a set of parents who had had to deal with the coming out of one of their children. And there was one couple who was always our first choice, first of all, because they were just so loving and gracious, but also because they were very funny. And they were also Scottish. So they had these very endearing accents. The dad joked that before his son came out, he didn't think there were any Scottish gay people. 
But upon reflection, he said he shouldn't have been surprised because after all, we Scots do love to wear our skirts. <laughs> well, things would turn more serious as they recounted the day that their son came out to them. They spoke of their initial disbelief, their confusion, the struggle they had to reconcile their Christian faith with their son's revelation. But the family just kept on talking and just trying to see each other's point of view. And those parents had to go on a crash course learning about the realities of LGBTQ life. Things like what modern science revealed and what the latest view of biblical scholars were. But also how LGBTQ people were so often rejected and made by many conservatives to be the scapegoat for all of society's ills. As the parents' understanding grew, they found that they themselves lost friends because they refused to condemn their son. And then they would meet their son's friends and hear their stories, often which would break their hearts. And part of their process is they had to process their own guilt feelings when they remembered some of the anti-LGBTQ things that they said around the house as their son was growing up. As they told their family's story, though, a look would come over the father's face, this look of amazement. And he would say, I used to think that gay men were sissies, but you gay people, you're the bravest people I've ever met. And this was coming from a man whose country's greatest hero is known as Braveheart. And I also, at this point, apologize to all Scottish people everywhere for that accent. Well, this is the second Sunday of our three-week sermon, uh, sermon series entitled, Gay is Good, What I've Learned as an LGBTQ Pastor. And as I said last week, the sermon series is not going to be covering the so-called clobber passages, those very few Bible verses that some interpret as forbidding all same-sex relationships. As I said, there are, all, there are already some very excellent resources out there, and I didn't see any need or reason to replicate them. But if you are in need of those resources, please drop a line to the church. You can message us in Facebook. What we are going to talk about, though, are the emotional and the spiritual dimensions of being LGBTQ and what I've gleaned from this journey that I've traveled with God. And today's topic is fear and courage. Well, if you read very much of the Bible at all, it will not take you long to get to a story where someone is being told to not be afraid, either by an angel or directly from God. The words, do not be afraid, occur 75 times in the Bible. It's scattered throughout the, both the Old and New Testaments, and it really is just a major theme that you'll find running throughout Scripture. You could even see it there in the psalm that we adapted as our call to worship. Do not be afraid. But if there is one emotion that all LGBTQ people know about intimately, it is the emotion of fear. To be gay or trans is to live more or less in a constant, low-level state of anxiety and fear. Now, with emotional maturity, and sometimes a lot of therapy, most LGBTQ people learn to live with it. Their fear diminishes with time, 
and you figure out how to not let the fear run your life. But if I'm honest, I gotta tell you, it never goes away completely. But I suppose that's true of any person who's a member of a marginalized group. After a while, you just learn to live with and handle your fear while not letting it run your life. But the ironic result of this fear is that it gives the gay or trans person an opportunity for emotional and spiritual growth that may not always be available to the straight or cisgender person. And again, this is also true of people from other marginalized groups. It's true of anyone who's ever had to go through an unusual hardship or a time of suffering that may have differed from the norm. It was true of Paul. In our scripture passage, Paul recounts a troubling and painful experience. Now, he begins the 12th chapter of Paul's second letter to Corinth with this description of this intense spiritual experience that had brought him much joy. But then, as Kathy picked up the reading there in the scripture, after this, Paul writes, Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Now, biblical scholars are not sure exactly what Paul means by a thorn in the flesh. It could refer to an actual injury or perhaps a medical condition that caused him pain. Thorn in the flesh could have been a euphemism for some sort of non-physical or emotional problem. But regardless, the thorn in the flesh caused Paul a great deal of pain. And it was so distressing to him that he believed it to be a messenger of Satan. Now, as an aside, while I was typing in this sermon, as it has happened to me before, as I typed in the word Satan, autocorrect changed it to Stan. <laughs> My brother Stan is not amused by this, <laughs> but I think it's hilarious. Um, but Paul found that no matter how much or how long he prayed for the removal of this thorn in the flesh, he could find no relief. And so finally the Lord responded, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I cannot tell you how many times in conversations with other LGBTQ Christians that I have heard people claim this passage of Scripture as their own. Many LGBTQ Christians can relate to being in a condition of distress and praying and praying with all their might for it to be taken away, to no longer be gay or trans. And some pray this for years on end and yet find no release. Instead, what they hear is the voice of God telling them, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. And when they do finally decide to surrender the voice of God, they find that truly God's grace is sufficient and that God's grace covers it all. And the weakness or the powerlessness that you experience as a member of a marginalized group ends up being where God's power can shine through. Because the truth is, is that all struggling, all suffering, including the challenges of being LGBTQ, can either destroy you or create you. It can make you or it can break you. You get to choose 
whether this challenge will make you a more loving, compassionate, and courageous person, or a person filled with fear and loathing and resentment. You may even come to realize that being LGBTQ is a gift, even if it doesn't always seem that way. First of all, I've found that being LGBTQ gives me insight about what other marginalized people experience and increases in me a sense of solidarity with them. While each group has a history and a set of circumstances that are unique to their situation, there is still a great deal of commonality among the experiences. I'm never going to know fully what it is like to be a person of color, but I know that being gay gives me added incentive to want to understand what that is like and to fight against the continued scourge of racism in our society. And secondly, while traditionally the church has taught that being gay or trans will separate me from God, what I have found is the exact opposite. Being gay has made me rely more upon God, and it has ended up doing nothing more than, than increasing my faith. You see, being gay actually strips you of certain protections in society, as it does all marginalized groups. But this lack of protection then increases a sense of vulnerability. But the thing is, a sense of vulnerability is exactly what Jesus would have known. We think of God as being omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, and God is these things. But God is also a newborn baby in Bethlehem. God is a wandering peasant preacher in the backwater Roman province of Galilee. And God is a condemned criminal nailed to a cross and left to die. This is a God who risks tremendous vulnerability. And the power of this vulnerability then makes a mockery of worldly notions of power. Because in God's political equation, power is made perfect in weakness. In the first epistle of John found in the New Testament, we read, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. This is true. The unfortunate truth is that the opposite is also true. Perfect love may cast out fear, but perfect fear can cast out all love. When we are afraid, it is very difficult to love. Mahatma Gandhi said, the enemy is fear. We think it is hate, but it is fear. Scratch behind hate, and you will find fear. In fact, scratch um, behind most any sin, and you will find fear. But the opposite of fear is faith. And both love and faith are acts of courage. Now remember, courage is not the absence of fear. It's stepping forward with hands extended in vulnerability even if we do feel afraid. It is the refusal to give in to that fear, the refusal to let fear drive out our love or to close ourselves off from the love of God. Courage is love and faith put into action. Because without the virtue of courage, none of the other virtues are possible. 
So then by extension, then coming out is an act of love and faith and courage. As I said last week, I think coming out is more than anything, first and foremost, a spiritual journey. And like any spiritual journey, it comes with inherent risks. One of the things I remind my people in the Journey Coming Out workshop is that one of the risks of coming out is that the more people who know that you are gay or trans, the less control you will have over that information. And you will need to learn to accept this fact and to be ready for both seen and unforeseen circumstances. In other words, you'll have to have faith. For example, I often tell them that when coming out to family, things may get worse before they get better. But I also tell them that while it happens, children are rarely permanently disowned by their families. Even if it takes several years, I've found that most families learn to accept the situation and to love their children. Because again, they can be just as afraid of losing you as you are afraid of losing them. What I've also found is that even if coming out to your family does not go well, no one who has ever gone through our workshop has ever regretted coming out to their families. They may wish they had done it differently or chosen a different time, but the relief that they experience is palpable. It is liberating, and they feel as if the weight of the world has just been lifted off their shoulders. My observation, by the way, has been that persons and families from a moderate to progressive religious background are better able to deal lovingly and constructively with LGBTQ issues in their families than either conservative religious or non-religious persons and families. The moderate to progressive religious families have all the benefits of being part of a faith tradition without all that pesky judgmentalism, guilt, and shame. And while most people, of course, are not LGBTQ, I think much of the spiritual dimensions of coming out are applicable to a variety of life situations. Because all of us will encounter situations and conditions where we are unable to control what is happening. We know intellectually that the only thing we can do is control ourselves, but that is so much easier said than done. But when push comes to shove, often all that is left to us is to let go of the fear and have faith in God and to give up the notion that we can power our way through any difficulty that may present itself. In the end, we will need to listen for that voice that says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. If you are feeling down, if you are struggling with what you're going through, I want to encourage you to contact thetrevorproject.org, thetrevorproject.org, or you can call 988. And if you're looking for a church where you will be welcomed and accepted and affirmed, please consider Trinity. And if you're not in our area, you can always look at the rmnetwork.org, rmnetwork.org where you'll find a list of United Methodist churches where LGBTQ persons are welcomed and affirmed. And now, receive this benediction. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. 
have hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, and help the suffering. Honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us again next Sunday as we conclude our three-part sermon series, Gay is Good, Lessons I've Learned from Being an LGBTQ Pastor. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.